0: You're listening
1: to Louisiana Insider, a superlative guide to a great state's destinations. Hosted by Errol Labor, executive editor of Louisiana Life Magazine. It's a song. It's our favorite melody. It's a song. Give it
0: Hi, this is Errol Le and welcome to what is the first edition of uh, Louisiana Insider. And to start it off, uh, I looked around like who, who knows the most, uh, a person out there, and we want to talk about, and uh, we want to talk about the uh, Acadian area and then Lafayette. And the person who knows the most is uh, is Cherie Cohen, who lives in Lafayette, who's written a bunch of books and a bunch of uh, blogs. Uh, she's done a Uh, a thing called Haunted Lafayette and and Exploring Cajun Country, and she has some blogs. She's also done some romance books uh, under a a pseudonym, so very, very, uh, very, very versatile. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Thank you. So nice to be here. Well, just real quickly, because I can't avoid it. Is there like a really famous haunted place in Lafayette? Um, I
1: guess downtown is the place to... That people go to they gravitate the most because there's so much uh culture and interesting things to do down there um i would uh i mean just wandering downtown there's the cathedral we have a cathedral which a lot of cities aren't um don't have something of that magnitude which is absolutely sure. beautiful and it has a 500 year old oak tree next door which is one of my favorite things to visit
0: the left is referred to as as the hub city i think it's the good name because it's really a hub for like a lot of the towns around it that are really kind of part of the cajun country like bro bridge is right across the river there and so right. if you, yeah you're close to a lot of other places
1: it's yeah. very true yeah i love bro bridge bro bridge is a fun little town and uh it's really close it's like 20 minutes from lafayette and uh arnaville is another good one that's about 40 minutes away and grand coteau and Sunset, lots of historic towns, you know, they have a lot of really interesting history behind them. You know, they
0: have um, an art scene in Ornoville like an artist colony sort of thing,
1: or. They do um, George Marks, who's a well known artist. He's from there and he came back home to take care of his mom and he started new news, which is like a arts organization and they have a place where you could go to and actually it's like an art co-op. And there's a building where you can look at the art. You can buy local art from local artists. And uh, it's really very cool. He's made it an arts community. Um, and now we have in Art this, and I'm probably going <laughs> to not pronounce it right, but it's Atelier de la Nature. Um, it basically means it's a nature center. Uh, it's a nonprofit where, they, where people can go and they can um, buy native plants and, walk around, kids can learn about the native uh, horticulture, and it's really interesting. Arneville is a cool little cultural hub. And I was passing there one time a couple of years ago on a Sunday
0: afternoon, and there was this place where people were sitting around and they were playing um, Cajun music. They were playing fiddles. It was, yeah. uh, that's kind of cool.
1: It is, there's a, there's a shop there called Tom's Fiddles. He makes fiddles there. Um, a little big cuts cup is a restaurant that has like a huge outdoor. In fact, it's really good right now because it's summer. You can sit outside right on the bayou and uh, they have live music. It's it's just a sweet little town. I love Arnoldville.
0: Well, speaking of music here, okay, we have a, we have a song we want to play. And uh, I think this will come easy to you. Okay. We okay. Want, you could, we want to see if you can identify it. Here it goes. Okay. Okay, so do you have any idea what that song is?
1: That's a lafayette. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's it. If those don't know, how law means let's go. Um that's what Lafayette. That that version of the song was recorded in the in 1928. Uh, and it was recorded by the Joe Falcon and was his wife's name, Cleo Teal? Uh, uh, yes, it, I think it was so. The earliest commercially sold Cajun song now. I gotta tell you I've heard that song, you know, all my life and I you know it sounds kind of joyous and I thought I never knew what the lyrics said. And I thought it'd be saying, you know, let's go to Lafayette and have fun on the bayou or something. But I looked at the translation and essentially He's telling this girl, I assume his girlfriend, uh, "We need to take it to Lafayette so you can get married because you're really cute, but so far you're a tramp. <laughs> uh, you know, if you get if we get you married, your new name will be Madame Mischievous Como. Uh, but apparently, uh, you'll gain respectability. Wow, That's I did not know that. <laughs> uh, this is a strange t- uh, a twist." That's very funny. To act like a tramp. Watch me, well, cute. Come see you yourself. Maybe it's better without the lyrics, but uh, but the sound is good. What is the status of Cajun music? Is it still thriving, or is it holding its own, or, or what?
1: Oh yeah, it's actually you know there's a lot of young bands coming up that are doing some really great stuff. Because um, I know like when you go to festivals of a and Creole in the fall. That's our big festival. It's huge and um, and it's free. I might add, it's in Girard Park and uh, the weather's always nice, but the music is is um, to uh, share Cajun and Creole and Zydeco music, and uh, what's been happening a lot lately is these bands of young people have been doing some really cool stuff, and some some of it's kind of a fusion with other elements like rock and folk, really? but it's really interesting and it's it's. I guess it's like anything, you know, it, it evolves, it grows. So you can listen to traditional, you can listen to the, the kind of middle ground, or you can hear some new stuff coming up. It's well, fun. I think, it,
0: I think having those festivals really helps. Um, I think the Jazz Fest in New Orleans really helps because mm-hmm. it brings a uh, big audience. They have that uh, they have that stage that, that plays a lot of Cajun music. And so it brings it to an audience that wouldn't necessarily uh, hear it. And so I think there are things that advance, but also the kind of music scene, like especially uh, places like Mulats uh, and mm-hmm. I think they go on in, um, in Bro Bridge. Does Bro Bridge play La
1: Poussiere? Is that still there? It is. Yeah. That's one of the original uh, dance halls. That's a very cool place to go listen to music. That's They they play a lot of traditional music, but like Steve Riley plays there all the time. And Steve Riley kind of pushes the envelope. So... Um, you get a nice variety,
0: you know, there's a. Mulats in New Orleans, a couple of years ago, I was there and I was talking to the man. I think it was Mr. Mulat, the guy who started it. Uh-huh. Uh, and he told me that his idea of formula, which is like a big dance hall says. He was in the army, like, right after World War 2, and he was sent to, to Germany. The war was over. So that was the better time to be in Germany. And he saw these German beer halls you know, which were like a big, big space for people to dance, you know, the music. And then on the side, they'd be selling beer and sausage. And he says, that was, what gave him the idea for you lads, uh-huh. uh, you know, that he was inspired by the by a German uh, beer hall in Munich.
1: So well, that's really interesting.
0: Uh, how about Zydeco? I, I know a couple of years ago, there was concern that Zydeco, that some of the Zydeco halls were closing. Is that is that still alive or?
1: It is, um, yeah, some of the, the dance halls have closed, um, which is very unfortunate. Um, there's a great book that came out about the dance halls um, that showcase all the different ones. And a couple of ones that were in the book have since closed, so that's unfortunate. But yeah, so, I mean, people come here from all over the world and that's exactly where they go. They go to the dance halls, they go to places like Prejean's restaurant or Randall's and Lafayette and La Poussiere. And uh, they got a really good dose of authentic Louisiana culture. Which I don't think you can find in many places in the world, you know, or in the country. Oh, no,
0: I think that's probably the hub. I mean, I think if you wanted to get immersed in that culture um, yeah. that uh, that you go there. You know, I, I, the, um, the clip that we heard from the Falcons, the uh, he, he plays the accordion and she plays the guitar. And I've heard that the, that the differences in Cajun music that Cajun music toward the western end of Louisiana, like on the other side of the Chafalaya toward Texas, tends to have the accordion, whereas Cajun music on the eastern end, on the other side, of Ch- like in the home of Thibodaux area, tends to have the triangle. And the difference was, was that the uh, the western end was close to the Texas. And then it was the Germans who had the accordions. And so the Germans introduce the accordion into the music.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, know. I've heard that too. Yeah, I don't know if it's
0: true, but it sounds interesting, but anyway, but anyway so it's two German influences that we have on the, uh, on Cajun music with the big dance hall and with the, uh, uh, with the accordion, mm-hmm. Pro Bridge. Okay, um, Pro Bridge is like a delightful little town and the, um, and there is a bridge and <laughs> Built a long time ago was 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 that it, and the um, it, it, is, it is also claims to be the, the crawfish capital of the world, and, and that's where in good years where you have the crawfish uh, event. Uh, so that's,
1: that that's been a growing scene in that area too. It is, yeah. I you know when I was at LSU a long time ago, unfortunately, <laughs> we went over there to uh, the crawfish festival when it was held downtown, and. It was one of the best days of my life. We had so much fun. And I remember buying a bag of crawfish and sitting on the curb somewhere and just, and the juices were running down our arms and we're just licking it off. So much fun. And it's actually grown a lot since then. Um, Now they have it in a big park and it goes over several days, but um, it's a blast. It's a really fun festival. And crawfish, you know, it's just awesome to eat. (laughs) Can't eat enough of it.
0: You know, I got a, th- a theory about about crawfish. Is that crawfish wasn't always a big deal among the uh, the Cajuns or the people in French Louisiana. In fact, my mom, who was from uh, Vols Parish, they were French but not Cajun. But but she always told stories about that crawfish is something they kind of reluctantly. It was like a secondary kind of thing, and then they didn't have all those crawfish boils that you put in. They 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 get some and throw some in the pot with a with salt but it wasn't really until maybe the 1960s or 70s that crawfish really emerged as a popular dish like you wouldn't have had a brobridge crawfish festival in 1950 yeah. uh, sort of like a, a late bloomer but it became really really popular and i'm not sure what triggered it uh one thing could be maybe paul prudholm and, and all his emphasis on seasoning um uh, somebody suggested when the, when the price of shrimp got really expensive. That people turned to crawfish and it became like the. Um, the new shrimp or, or what, but, but, but the, the, crawfish and now at the festivals. Again, like the jazz fest and other places they serve crawfish and it just. It's just conquered the world now in terms of, 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 of uh, something that's popular.
1: Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, you know, cause I grew up in the seventies, eighties and it was. Really growing then, so I think you're you're right. I've always heard it was something that happened after World War II. Not sure what exactly, like you said, started the whole craze. I'm from New Orleans originally. When I moved to Lafayette, people used to say, um, "Oh, we eat a lot of crawfish here," and I'd say, "Well, we eat a lot of crawfish in New Orleans too." <laughs> but man, they really do eat a lot over here. It's it's um it's it's turned into a infatuation kind of.
0: But I think part of it was the whole price thing. Uh, yeah, that, that sounds right. That used to be if people were going to have like a, a big seafood party or something in the yard, they buy a lot of shrimp and they have a shrimp oil. Mm-hmm. And shrimp became, I mean, a really good shrimp became really, really expensive. And crawfish became something fairly inexpensive. And then some people, you know, they developed the, the industry and it's, uh, you know. Yeah,
1: uh, that makes sense. Yeah. And of course,
0: one, you know, is, it's pretty, it's red, and you, you twist the head and you suck the head and you <laughs> drink a beer. And so um, it could be French. What are some of your yeah. favorite places in Lafayette? Um,
1: I like, I love going downtown. Um, the Kadiana Center for the Arts is a really cool place to visit. They have uh, revolving exhibits every month and they have a big art walk. Uh, it's the second Saturday of every month at night. That's a lot of fun and it's well attended. So everybody comes out and you get to see all your friends Drink wine, have fun. There's good places to eat downtown. There's uh, two museums. There's the Children's Museum and the Lafayette Science Museum is awesome. Has some really great exhibits, good people who work there. They'll help you like learn about all kinds of stuff. It's it's just a really fun place to visit. So I would say downtown. Okay. And then to eat. To eat. Oh my goodness. It's kind of like New Orleans. You know, people say, where, where should I go to eat? You know, like, well, goodness, there's so many great places. Where do I start? You know, um, I, well, again, downtown, there's, uh, there's a lot of new places downtown that I'm really into. Spoonbill is a wonderful place. Um, it's right across from the new um, bowling alley, Rock and Bowl, which started in New Orleans. And we got the second one. So we were really lucky to have them come. But I love Spoonbill. Um, there's a place called Central Pizza. And both Spoonbill and Central Pizza have really good cocktails. So if you like cocktails, like really fun stuff, um, I recommend them. There's Pops Po' Boys, which is, um, he's taken Po' Boys to like a kind of uh, experimental level. So there's a lot of fusion going on. You know, you can get like a Thai Po' Boy. And so it's, it's a little different, but you can also get traditional ones too. But I guess those are my favorite places to eat.
0: In terms of the economy over there, um, there's an oil industry, but the oil industry across the state is struggling a bit. So I suspect that's probably the same thing over there. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, don't you have a fairly big healthcare industry there?
1: We do. You know, um, I think in the '80s when oil prices went down and Lafayette really suffered, I think it's a little bit better than then because we we've um, we now have that big health industry. We also have a big um, computer industry, we have a lot of software companies moved into town because we have uh, municipal fiber optics and, um, UL, the university of Louisiana at Lafayette has a really good computer program. So we've been attracting some really good companies coming into town. I think that's helped, but the oil prices have, you know, don't ever help the economy because we're so dependent on oil and gas here. Unfortunately,
0: there's also really interesting development going on in, in the town it's almost like a contained community with a river ranch
1: Hmm. yeah it's a traditional neighborhood development and uh so we got river ranch has two town centers inside it and then there's a there's an area for the big houses and an area for like the cottages it's it's really sweet and then of course it's on the vermilion river so you got Wonderful height. I mean, even if you don't live there, you can walk through town and go to the shops and restaurants, and then you can walk along the river, which is nice. I do that a lot.
0: Yeah, it's almost like a contained community, and it has its own uh, retail area inside it. I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's
1: nice. yeah, it's it's nice. Um, it's almost like its own little downtown.
0: All right. So if you were home one day, one Sunday, and you're getting kind of bored, it's people are these days and you have a few hours and you wanted to go somewhere like a couple of hours from lafayette and not counting ornoville because we already talked about that where would you go
1: well i'd probably go downtown um uh, you know i have to say one of the unfortunate things about lafayette is that things close on sunday i think everybody stays home and barbecues (laughs) but or you know listens to music or goes to hear music play at festivals and such but um so sometimes there's not a lot open, but I do like to walk around downtown. There's also, um, there's a really great park in the center of town that's right next to the university called Girard Park. Um, that's awfully nice to walk around because they have uh, walking trails. They have a pond, they have a gazebo where you can go feed the ducks. You know, it's a really good place for families, especially. But one of my very famous favorite things to do on a Sunday is to go to Lake Martin, which is about 20 minutes away. And um, it's this big lake that people use for years for duck hunting and fishing and the nature conservancy came in and uh, took a big piece of it and preserved it because you have all these birds that um, nest there. So you have alligators, you have uh, these rookeries of white egrets and spoonbills. And so you can walk along the levee. And, and if you want to do the whole lake, it's about three miles, I think. But I usually just do like one mile along the levee. And you can see birds and alligators. It's really nice. Nice to get away.
0: Lots of birds. I, I've been there one time. And I remember just like thousands of birds right there.
1: It's incredible. If you go in the spring, like March, April, they're everywhere. And um and you know they're all chirping and making lots of noise building nests and it's very colorful because you know you got that white egret and then you got the pink spoonbills and it's really great I love it. Now how about the Atchafalaya? You ever go down the swamp? Oh yeah, Atchafalaya is great. Um yeah, you can do different. I've done two different swamp tours. I did a nature eco tour kind of thing on a boat. You know when those open boats. And that was fun because they would take you out. And you could get close to like Eagle's desk and, um, you know, things like that. And then I also did one of those airboats. I actually didn't like the airboat as much. It was a lot of fun. It's noisy. <laughs> yeah, it's very noisy. And so, I mean, I, I'm more of a nature girl, so I want to like see nature and not scare it away, <laughs> but they're both very fun.
0: Were there any ghost stories about the Atchafalaya? By-
1: <laughs> well... There's um there's a loop guru that's mostly on the other side though I think yeah, um,
0: I think it's more towards that's kind of like a, a wolf sort of creature. Yeah.
1: You know? Right, this is a werewolf.
0: Yeah, I think he works to the swamps all across South Louisiana. Um, you
1: know, I have a funny story about that. I used to tell my kids that as a joke and I, and they would say, "Yeah, right, mom." I said, "No, he doesn't like loop guru comes when your kids are bad, you know. So you better behave." And one day we went to Audubon zoo in in new orleans and they actually have like a it, it's a fake loop guru but it's like a stuffed you know replication of one and i said see i told you and my kids believed me ever since
0: <laughs> let me ask you a little bit about the french language because this was uh, uh that, that part of the state was of course where the uh original acadian settled and it was it was known for its french language the um after a while, I mean, it was only natural with assimilation that it would start dying out. Uh, but, the, uh, but there have been organizations like Coteville that are trying to keep the language alive as much as they can. I mean, are, do you still hear people speaking French?
1: Yes, I do. Um, I have a lot of friends who, who um, speak French. I, I teach a life writing class to senior citizens, and a lot of them speak French. So it's, um, it is struggling to stay alive. They have a lot of, um, have a lot of schools in Acadiana with French immersion programs. So a lot of times the young kids will learn it and the grandparents will speak it and they could speak to each other, but it's people my age in the middle that kind of got lost because, um, for a long time there, you know, it wasn't cool to speak French and the government cracked down on it. But it's still here. And I think it's it's struggling, but it's it's alive, and hopefully, it will stay alive. I've
0: heard that the original Cajun French was more closely resembled, like the Parisian French, because it had been frozen in time. Um, you know, it hadn't been influenced by other things. And of course, that's changed, but but that it was closest to the uh, uh, the pure French. Um, but hmm. you know. There's another strain that, that people don't realize, and, and I mentioned this is because of, of my family, which was French speaking, and uh, they were in central Louisiana, and they always referred to themselves as Cajun, but they weren't. And yeah. it, it was shocking when they found out that they weren't. And so you had a lot of people who were descendants of Napoleonic soldiers, and they, uh, they were granted land in Louisiana, and they came in through New Orleans, and then they moved to. The, um they moved in and somehow at some point the cultures just got blended and, and those people thought that they were cajuns but they're french i'm told by people with a better ear on this um, it, it, it's a little bit different but there's really two french cultures and i guess it's not even counting the creole culture over there i don't know if there's much of that mm-hmm. um, and then we talked about zydeco earlier that the zydeco of course is um uh, with a lot of and uh, that language, uh, that there were the blacks who spoke French too, um, you know, which I remember as a, um, as a kid.
1: Yeah, there's a lot. I, I know when people always, they always, you know, I I travel a lot, and people, I'm a travel writer, and people would say to me, "Where's your Southern accent?" And I'd have to explain, "Well, I'm from New Orleans. I live in Lafayette, you know. We're I'm in the South. Which one do you want?" Yeah there's so many and then in Lafayette you know you've got like you said all those different types of French culture um, and I've always heard people from avoyles will you know say exactly what you just said you know I, I people think we're Cajun but we're not we came from France directly over to avoyles you know so I, I get it it's a lot it's it's a complicated culture it's not Louisiana in a, as a whole is complicated
0: and Even the um, that the people I guess around the Lafayette area, the French people, would be more seafood eaters because they're they're closer to the the swamps and the Gulf. And but the people in central Louisiana really didn't eat a lot of seafood. They're more pork eaters. I mean, uh, you know, they're, they're the people that they have in like the boucherie, uh, and, and and really very little seafood in, in their diet. Mm.
1: Yeah, or that's true. They have all those those festivals up there. You know, that's another thing about Lafayette is that we, um, I know we talk a lot about the Creole and Cajun culture, but we have a lot of international people here. We have a big Indian population from India. We have um, a lot of Vietnamese who work in the seafood industry. So it's very diverse. And I think a lot of that has to do with the university as well.
0: Yeah. What's that big avenue in Lafayette that has uh, an unusual name, uh, Salam or something? The um... Oh, Kali Saloom. The Saloon, yeah,
1: oh, that's true. We have a good big population from um, the Middle East, like Lebanon. And Cali uh, Saloon was a judge here, and I think his son still is. I we're friends on Facebook. I should know.
0: <laughs> and that's the major. I mean, that's the major thoroughfare. I mean, it's uh, well. We have one more thing to do here, and that is our, our executive producer here, Kelly, has put together a little thing called this and that. <laughs> okay. Where she's going to mention some things and it's our job to tell her which we prefer. Okay?
1: Okay. Go okay. oh, yours. All right, y'all ready? So the first one is Boudin versus cracklins. Boudin for me.
0: Yeah, I think Boudin also. The thing about cracklins um is that cracklins can really be good. I, I mean, uh but you don't want to eat them every day i mean, I mean when you think that cracklins are essentially um fried pork fat salted <laughs> uh i mean that's not a really top diet but yeah. maybe, like, maybe like once or twice a year when they're really kind of warm and it's kind of it's, it's good it's really um and uh again i remember my family that was a uh they used to eat a lot of cornbread and they put cracklins or a crackling to breed in uh in the cornbread and it was uh yeah. that was a good
1: that sounds good.
0: Boudin. Okay, there's two types. There's a the so called white boudin, and the red boudin. And the white boudin is pretty much what we all know. That's the one that's usually stuffed with pork. And increasingly you got stuff like at festivals where they got crawfish boudin, but that's not the real thing. But the but, but the white boudin is really with more commercially acceptable, because the red boudin is blood sausage. And it's uh to me, blood sausage is a harder So, I'm not even sure if you can sell it. Um, I I think it has to be sold at a butcher shop or something. But anyway, so you'll go along with you. But I I go along with White Boudin.
1: Yeah, I live in White Boudin country. Um, (laughs) Totally. Okay. All right. The second one is chicken and sausage gumbo versus seafood gumbo. Oh, this is where I get in trouble with people from Lafayette. Because I'm from New Orleans, so I really like seafood gumbo. But I will say this. I like all gumbo. I'm not picky because gumbo is probably my favorite food. But if I had to pick between those two, I'd say seafood.
0: Okay. Well, well here we split because if I had to split, if I had to decide, I'd go to chicken and sausage because it's, it's just really good. I don't believe in, though, that some people combine the two. I don't believe mm. in it no. chicken and seafood in it. Uh, you know, I think that's that's wrong. But when it's done right, there's nothing wrong with seafood gumbo. The problem is with seafood gumbo is if they got crab in there, and you need to kind of start figuring out how to crack open the crab. <laughs> that'd be a little bit difficult. But when they have like shrimp and some nice plump oysters and all that, that, that can be really good. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Um, the next one might spark a little controversy, but ULL versus LSU. <laughs> oh, no, that's just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I went to LSU, um, but my kids, my mom, my sister, they all went to SLI, USL, <laughs> ULL. Um, I can't pick. I mean, I, obviously, I, I personally have to pick LSU because I went there. It's my alumni. I mean, it's my uh, alma mater, but uh, UL is a great school, so. And that would put me in a bad place for all the people I work with here.
0: <laughs> uh, I'll say about ULL is that we have a, sort of like a second-tier bowl game in, in New Orleans called the New Orleans Bowl. And ULL has played the New Orleans Bowl several times in the last few years, so we've gotten used to seeing uh, seeing the ULL crowd um, coming to town, so uh, have feel a certain, uh, appreciation for, uh, for ULL, but it, it's hard to overcome LSU and, and and all of that
1: does. Yeah, definitely. All right. The final one is a little bit more general between New Orleans, Lafayette, you know, Louisiana kind of thing, but Tabasco versus crystals. <laughs> That's very funny. Um, I, I personally like Tabasco. Um, I I'm, I like cooking things inside my food, so I'm not a big hot sauce person. Although um, I did, I was a judge once at the hot sauce festival, which was interesting. But I, I, I would say Tabasco.
0: I've I've been to Avery Island in the presence of uh, the Tabasco people, you know the, the Tabasco bosses, and and of course that kind of influences the decision. But to hear them talk about Tabasco. And that the pe- and I don't fully understand this, but the pepper they use—they they say it's a heritage pepper. That this is like a really pure pepper. Uh, it's not like some kind of hybrid, and that it's grown a few places in the world. And so they use this pepper, and so they—and they say that the difference f- from their pepper is that it really kind of blends into the food and enhances the food, whereas other hot sauces just kind of make the food yeah. hot. Uh, yeah. That's the difference. Nothing wrong with Crystal. Uh, Crystal's a New Orleans-based company, and so I it, uh, wouldn't have a problem with Crystal. But I think just because of the the heritage, you just got to go with Tabasco. It's an interesting history. Okay. Okay. Well, Sherry, thank you very much for uh, uh, joining us. And by the way, if people want to follow you, you're all over the place. Uh, you have a column for Louisiana Life, and you're going to be having a column for New Orleans Magazine. And where else can they find you?
1: I have a, if they like something crazy, I have a weird, wacky and wild South blog that I just do for fun um, because there's so many weird, wacky and wild Southern stories. But it's weirdsouth.com. I saw that reference
0: and I was wondering, can I just put you on the spot real quick? Can you give us a weird, wacky and wild South example?
1: Oh, sure. Um, Gosh, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. There's so many. Uh, There's I just did something on... uh, the Pocahontas Mounds in Mississippi. They named the town Pocahontas, uh, you know, not because she lived there, but because they found these mounds and the people in Mississippi, just all they knew about Native American culture was Pocahontas. Um, There's places in Georgia where they, uh, the old car graveyard, uh, I think it's called Old Car City, where this man amassed acres and acres and acres and just filled it with old cars. And so you could just walk through and look at these, old car sitting there rusting it's just all kinds of weird stuff but that's just two okay and that is uh, and where
0: we find us at the
1: at the blog it's weirdsouth.com
0: okay weirdsouth.com so you can look it up right now so okay <laughs> thank you very much it's been very informative let's do this again if you don't mind and uh sure thank and- you for having <laughs> me okay thank you
1: thanks for listening to louisiana insider Subscribe, like, and rate our show where you listen to your podcasts and follow us on social media at Louisiana Life Mag. Executive producer for Louisiana Insider is Kelly Massico in cooperation with Louisiana Life Magazine. For subscription information to Louisiana Life, call 504 828 1380. Our theme music was provided by Rich Collins. Hey, that's me. Join us again next week for more discoveries inside Louisiana.